we'll look at that more in just a moment. But I want to I ask you this question this morning. Who is it that you are, are helping come to Jesus? Because this is really what the Christian faith is all about. And you and I, as believers, need to be involved in this work of bringing people to Jesus. And I would say this to you this morning. Either you are an obstacle, you are preventing the people in your life to come to Jesus by the way that you live, by the way that you talk, by your attitude, or uh, you are a help. You are helping them come to Jesus. Do you know that your attitude, the things you say, the things that you do, you may not recognize it, you may not know it, but the people around you who know that you're a believer are watching every single thing that you do. They watch and listen to the things that you say. They, they watch and listen, and then they, they try to add it up. They try to see whether or not what you're, what you're talking about, what you say you believe, matches your lifestyle. Watches the things that you say and do. I was at uh, McDonald's with uh, Greg uh, this week. We had lunch together, and I ordered my hamburger. And as I was looking at the at the order board at McDonald's, I saw the quarter pounder with tomato and lettuce sticking out, and it looked like a very good quarter pounder. And I said, I would like a quarter pounder. And so when the quarter pounder came, got back to my table, I opened it up, and there was no tomato and there was no lettuce in it well this i paid for a quarter pounder according to the picture that was on the wall there and i went back to the girl and i said where is my tomato and my lettuce and she said well that's a quarter pounder but i said but look at that one she says well that's a double quarter pounder you didn't ask for a double quarter pounder you just asked for a regular quarter pounder I said, oh, I apologize too. I went and sat down, and you know what? Just a minute later, she came scurrying around the corner, and she says, I know who you are. <laughs> You're Pastor Allen, aren't you? And I was saying, thank you, Lord, that my reaction was what it needed to be. I wonder how many people know who you are and know what you are and are watching and listening to you, and you, you have no idea. And they're formulating opinions about you and your faith. Jesus says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You and I are supposed to be an extension of Jesus Christ. You and I are supposed to be in the business of introducing people to Jesus who wants to give rest to the souls of broken and hurting people. Now, this is stuff that you know. You, I mean, you know it here. But do you know it here? Has it affected the way that you think, act, and live? Thomas uh, Rayner in his book, The Unchurched Next Door, says that 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. So I want you to recognize something this morning. People, whether they say it or act like it, people, generally speaking, are in fact hungry for Christ. Did you know that? People are hungry for Jesus. And 
Tom, Tom Rainer in his book says this. He says, more than 80, 8 out of 10 people who are unchurched said they would come to church if they were invited. People are interested, maybe not so much in your religion, but they are definitely interested in Jesus. Now, uh, Jesus is coming to the city of Jericho, and uh, he hasn't made any appointments with anybody. He hasn't called the synagogue ahead of time to say, look, I'll be in town. Do you have any, can, maybe, can you take me for a service? He just shows up. And a crowd gathers because they know who he is. And one of the people that hears that Jesus is coming to town is, in fact, Zacchaeus. Now, um, if you didn't go to Sunday school and you didn't learn the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I didn't say Zacharias. I said Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A little wee little man was he. Do you remember, anybody remember that song? And he climbed up a sycamore tree uh, to see what he could see. I don't know how the words go from there. But anyway, uh, this is the story. Zacchaeus, the hated tax collector. Zacchaeus, the one that everyone despised. He uh, was the one who ripped off his fellow countrymen collecting taxes for the Romans. And uh, he was truly hated. He he was considered among the vilest of sinners. In fact, uh, whenever they talked about sinners, they always talked about tax collectors and sinners. So they're in the same category. The vilest, the wickedest, the nastiest. He was very much like an extortionist or a blackmailer because he could actually take any amount of tax that he wanted. As long as Rome got their bit, he could take whatever he wanted for himself. So he's hated, truly hated. Now I just, I'm, I'm just telling you this to give you a picture of the kind of people who are interested in Jesus. Zacchaeus, they hated. And guess what? He knew that people hated him. He knew that he was considered amongst the vilest and the wickedest. He knew that about himself. And the reason he knew that about himself is because all the religious people told him that. The Pharisees told him that. All those who were religious told him how evil and how wicked he was. Now this man, he's got incredible wealth. And by the way, he would have uh, uh, a great deal of prestige. You say, well, how does a vile or wicked person have prestige? Well, it would be kind of, kind of the prestige that the Godfather had. Uh, kind of looked up to, held in with a certain amount of respect and awe. And that was little Zacchaeus. Now, the, the one thing about Zacchaeus is that he was, uh, he was vertically challenged. He was short. And uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't get a view of Jesus. So what he does is he climbs up this, figmore, uh, this sycamore fig tree. And if you want, you can follow along in Luke chapter 19. And so he climbs this tree. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's, braving, he's braving the humility and the, the scoffing and the insults and the laughs from the crowd. But he is so determined to see Jesus. He's so hungry to see and know who this Jesus is that he climbs up the tree. People are laughing at a full-grown man climbing a tree uh, to get a view. And his little legs dangling. Uh, just get the picture in your mind. Um, but he gets himself into position. And suddenly, Jesus and the crowd, and you get the picture, Jesus is surrounded by, by hundreds, thousands of people, and suddenly he comes to the place where Zacchaeus is in the tree, and Zacchaeus is looking at him, examining him, looking at the color of his hair, looking at the contours of his, of his face, looking at his clothing, 
trying to listen to what Jesus is saying, watching the expression on his face. Was there a twinkle in his eye? Was he judgmental? Was he loving? Was he kind? Did he care? What would Jesus think about me? I'm sure he was wondering that. And Zacchaeus thought, well, I'm sure that if he got his eye on me, he wouldn't think too much of me. In fact, Jesus would probably hate me even more than the Pharisees because I know how holy Jesus is. And so Zacchaeus is thinking, but I have nothing to worry about. He'll pay no attention to me because I am just a sinner. Jesus stops at the place where Zacchaeus is, and he looks up to where Zacchaeus is sitting. And an amazing thing happens to this sinner, this vile man. Jesus looks up to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down at once, for I've got to come to your house for tea today, or coffee, or whatever it was that they ate and drank in those days. I've got to come and spend some time with you. Now here's what the Bible says. Zacchaeus, in verse 6 of, of Luke 19, it says, So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Whoa, this blows our ideas of who Jesus is and who the sinner is right out of the water. Because we expect people that don't love Jesus or or people who are sinners that, that they don't love Jesus and they want nothing to do with Jesus. But that's not what we see here. The people who we assume are Jesus haters are not Jesus haters after all. In fact, Zacchaeus is so excited that Jesus is talking to him. He's so excited that Jesus has, in, has invited himself to Zacchaeus' house that he comes down at once and welcomes Jesus gladly. Now, after Jesus is with this sinner for a very short time, Zacchaeus stands up and says, now we're talking, folks, in just a matter of a few hours, okay, from vile, wicked sinner to Zacchaeus standing up and saying, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him today, <laughs> I love this, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. In other words, this man too is loved by God. And let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because you and I, if we've grown up in the church or if we've been in church for any length of time, we have this idea in our head that God hates sinners. That's what the Pharisees said. They were scandalized that Jesus would spend any time with these sinners. But I want you to see something right now. Is that Zacchaeus was attracted to Jesus, to the person, not to the religion, not to the rules, not to the, to the ordinances, not to the laws, but to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this, my friends, is exactly what we find so often amongst those who don't know Christ. We give them a label. They're doing wicked things, they're doing bad things, so therefore they're bad and, and they are against us. And that's not the case at all. And you need to understand that about the people in your life that don't know Christ. They're waiting for you, my friends, to speak up and say something about Jesus. 
And so you need to understand that in this, in this business of sharing your faith, people are, in fact, hungry for Jesus. They're interested in Jesus. They want to know Jesus. They, they want to know more about him. They want that relationship with him. What they don't want is your prejudice. They don't want your angry religion. They want to know about the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Now, you understand this morning, people are hungry for Jesus. And I think we can say that. Generally speaking, people are, in fact, hungry and open to Jesus. Now, here's the neat thing. The flip side of that is that Jesus loves sinners. Only he doesn't call them sinners. He calls them lost. Let that, I mean, I, I was studying this, and it, it hit me for the first time, the significance of this. Let me just tell you this again. Jesus doesn't call them sinners. He calls them the lost, and he loves them. He loves, 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 loves them. And so Jesus says about Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Let's see that next verse. And then he says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Janet, there's another verse for Sunday school. The kids got to learn that one. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Listen to me. The only way that you are going to understand what Christianity is about, the only way that you are going to truly get, get it, if you, is if you understand this. That this is why Jesus came to this earth. To seek and to save those who are lost. Now notice it didn't say, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the dirty, rotten sinners. It didn't say that. He calls them lost. They're people who have lost their way. And people who are lost generally know that they're lost. The term sinner is such a derisive label, isn't it? It's so, and it's so easy for us to do that, just label bad people. They're sinners. They're, they're evil people. We just write them right off. But Jesus doesn't do that. He calls them lost. And listen to me, folks. People who are lost need finding. People who are lost and have lost their way, they need to be found. I don't know if you remember back a few weeks ago, it was, uh, it was Monday, uh, September the 6th, and uh, an elderly man had gone for a walk, and uh, he lost his way. And um, he's 86 years old. That'd be like, like Leonard, out, out for a walk, 86 years old. And uh, Joseph Kuz could not be found anywhere. And so the RCMP got together, and they sent out a search party, and they found him after four days in a heavily wooded swamp area. It's a, the report says that one of the RCMP officers, his, his, um, his, uh, his four-wheeler wouldn't go. It, was, it stalled out. And he said if it hadn't been for his four-wheeler stalling out, he wouldn't have heard the cry of the voice of 86-year-old Joseph Luz, who was just saying, help, help. And so the, the RCMP officer just... Not hardly able to believe that maybe, just maybe, this could be Joseph Cusa had been lost these four days. Came around the corner, and there he was, laying on the ground. And he reached up his hand to that RCMP officer. And the RCMP officer said, once he got a hold of my hand, he would not let it go. He would not let it go. Now listen to me, my friends. If we heard that Joseph Coos had gone, wandered off and was lost and, and nobody went out to find him, we would all be scandalized, wouldn't we? And we would say, what on earth do we pay the RCMP for? And what do we pay the police for? You, you, you know that. You've heard that. You said that. 
But the minute we found out he was lost, we sent out, we sent out the RCMP to, to try to bring him in and bring him to safety. And we would be scandalized if nothing was done. Now, that is exactly what we're doing about those who are lost spiritually. We're doing nothing. 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 95%. 95% have never gone out looking for lost souls. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness for Christ. Only 1.5% are involved in the ministry of evangelism. And a full 71% give absolutely nothing towards the financing of finding the lost. We spend hundreds and millions of dollars of teams of people who are trained to search for lost people. People are lost in the wilderness. People are lost in the sides of mountains, etc., etc. But what do we do? We obviously, and listen to me, this, this is a, a, a sharp rebuke to all of us. We obviously don't care that much about lost people, about people who have lost their way. If anything, we probably will sit back, cross our arms and say, well, they deserve the pain that they're going through. They deserve the punishment. They are bad sinners. Isn't that right? Isn't that our attitude so often? They don't deserve our help. They deserve to hit rock bottom. And yet that is not the attitude of Jesus. Jesus loves the lost. And he goes out looking for them. And it's precisely this work of finding the lost that Jesus calls you and me to. The next time you're dealing with, with that, that sinner in your life, that nasty boss, that nasty, nasty neighbor, that nasty friend, don't see them as dirty, rotten, vile sinners. See them as people who are lost and need Jesus. Because that is exactly how your master sees them. Does this make sense? You need to see them as Jesus sees them. And some of you just say, you know, there's people in my life, and I've just given up. I mean, I, it's, I just, just hope that it all works. I pray for them. You, don't give up. Keep trying. Keep looking. You see this picture here? This is one of the pictures of my childhood. I remember, again, last week I showed you a picture of the children coming to Jesus. This is another picture I remember in my Sunday school room. And, again, it had a profound effect on me. And it's, it's, it comes from that story of Jesus leaving behind the 99 sheep and going to look for the one lost sheep. Remember that story? That's what this is. It's, a, it's a, a famous picture that depicts Jesus going to find that one lost sheep. Do you understand the heart of Jesus this morning? He cares about people who are lost. In fact, we read in, in Matthew that the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See the label? Jesus doesn't see them as dirty, vile, rotten sinners. He sees them as people who are lost and need to find their way. I love that. You see the mercy and the grace and the compassion of Jesus? That's what you and I are called to have. And then Jesus, not even responding to their nasty, nasty comments, he just simply tells them a story, as Jesus often does. And then Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and then go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Did you get that? Jesus and the angels and God our Father in heaven rejoices over one person who is lost and who finds their way than the rest of us who are just sitting grazing every Sunday. Did you hear that? And if you want to get in on the party that God wants to have with us, then you need to join him in the search for the lost. Because this, my friends, is what Christianity is all about. Joe Aldridge tells a story of a, a party that took place in New, or New Orleans City. There's a, every year, the main pool in New Orleans had somebody uh, drown. Every year, somebody drowned. But this one year, uh, the lifeguards were able to get through the whole season and nobody drowned. And so they had this big party. And in honor of the occasion, 200 people gathered, including 100 100 certified lifeguards. And as the party was breaking up and the four lifeguards on duty began to clear the pool, they found fully dressed, a fully dressed body in the deep end. They tried to revi revive Jerome Moody, who was 31, but it was too late. He had drowned, surrounded by lifeguards celebrating their successful season. Does this sound absolutely bizarre, absurd? As I read that, I couldn't help but think, boy, that sounds just like church nowadays. We're busy celebrating what we think are our successes, and meanwhile, around us, people are lost and dying and falling apart, and they don't have it together anymore. What would, what would God say to us about the way that we live our Christian lives? You see, God's calling you and me to join him in the work of sharing his love with lost people. You and I need to change our attitudes. And you and I need to say, aha, uh -huh, God, if I'm going to be a Christ follower, if I'm going to follow you, then I need to take on your attitude and start looking out for those who are lost and lead them to Jesus. Let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, this morning, we want to say thank you that, that you love us. We want to say thank you, Father, that we have the, the freedom in this country right now to still share our faith and still invite people to come to know the Savior who loves them. Father, forgive us, we pray, for our our attitudes towards people who are lost. We're so quick to write people off as, as vile and wicked and unworthy of God's love. But God, it's, it's precisely these people that you love so much and came for. You came to seek and to save the lost. Father, help us, we pray, to have your attitude. Help us, we pray, to join in your great work. We pray, O oh God, that you would re-energize our faith. Re-energize us, O oh God, and give us a heart for sharing Jesus with the lost. 
Help us, Lord, to go from this place to find someone who is lost and let them come to Jesus. Use us, we pray, for that purpose. And we thank you, Father. Thank you that we're able to send Allison to, to Mungu. We pray, Father, that she would know your grace and your strength as she goes and, sh- and just shares the love of Jesus with, with these dear people. And so we give you thanks in Jesus' name.